football is back and the world-famous Superbook Sports is ready for all the gridiron action. Looking for a place to catch the game? Head up the hill to the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk and experience the thrill of the games live on one of our 28 state-of-the-art TVs. Superbook Sports has all of the amenities you could ever want in a traditional sports book. Good food, tasty beverages, and the best view in Blackhawk. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for help. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach By, Presented by Superbook Sports. On your home for the most Nuggets content. Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Jokic. To Morris, a three to win, and he got it! Denver wins it at the buzzer! The Nuggets go to Jokic. He kicks it back out, and Monte Morris hits a three to win the game. Yes, that's what it sounded like on Wednesday evening in San Francisco when the Golden State Warriors got beat at the buzzer by big game Tay Monte Morris and the Denver Nuggets. 117, 116 in it was it, in what is arguably uh, the best singular moment of the Denver Nuggets season. Now, I think that you could go find better wins on the schedule, and that's not to diminish that win because I think you could argue that maybe that's the best win on their schedule. I wouldn't, uh, but I think one fairly could on the road against the Warriors team that not only is just freaking awesome. Uh, but at home is one of the best teams in the entire NBA. They win at a clip at home. Like if they lose a game, for every game that uh, the Warriors lose at home, they win five games. Like that's how good they are at home. They came into Wednesday night's contest against the Nuggets um, 26-5, and five, so a better than 5-1 to one, uh, ratio. And only one team in the Western Conference has as many, uh, really, no, in the entire NBA, has as many home wins as the Golden State Warriors. So, you know, context is king, right? I mean, it's it's a for sure a, a signature win, I think, but also where it where it is uh, makes it that signature win. So, just a massive feel good moment, feel good win for the Denver Nuggets, and uh, look forward to chatting about that with you here over the next uh, twenty minutes or so. I have to tell you, uh, I start off uh, today's uh, podcast um, with, with an apology because at the time of recording, it is Thursday, and typically every Tuesday, uh, an episode of the Mile High Hoops Pod drops. And uh, I appreciate anyone who who you know looks forward to that on Tuesday. So there I was getting done with a three hour radio show, uh, and came and recorded a twenty five minute solo episode. Um, and they've all been solo episodes this year. No, no guests so far this season. That that will change uh, down the back third of this uh, season. But so far, just kind of in a groove and doing it solo and having fun with it. Um, so you know, twenty five minutes going solo—that's like an hour of doing you know a a partnered podcast or an hour of doing traditional sports talk radio. And for whatever reason, not going to blame anyone. It is what it is. Mistakes happen. But that that twenty five minute recording just up in smoke. Uh, whether it got deleted, recorded over, really doesn't matter. The 
point is that that episode was lost. So that that episode was recorded and then just thrust into oblivion. Uh, so I apologize about that. It's been a running conversation here at the radio station, that's for sure. Um, but anyway, uh, let bygones be, be bygones. We're here now reacting to uh, a terrific win. And I was going to come in the next day and and do the whole episode over again. And guys, I just didn't have the energy. I was running on about four and a half hours of sleep, got a 10-week-old daughter and a three-year-old at home, and I got done with my radio show, and I just, I said, I can't do it. I'm just going to come in and do it tomorrow and react to the Warriors game. And I'm I'm thrilled that uh, the vibe reacting to the win in San Francisco was similar, uh, really, to the vibe of me reacting to the win in Toronto, which what I, what, the episode that no one heard, uh, except for me talking to myself, um, you know, reacting to the win uh, in Toronto, which I thought was a really good win, really good win. I wouldn't file it under signature win, but really good win uh, by a single point there on the road against a team that, you know, was playing just flat out terrific basketball at the time. Uh, they had won, I think it was eight in a row until losing uh, to the Nuggets on on Sunday. Uh, but I think that was Sunday. Um but but similar vibe here, right? Even better. Uh, the Nuggets, who just about a week and a half ago lost three straight games uh, to the T-Wolves, to the Jazz, to the Pels at home. And it was like, oh, crap. Is this, is this the version? Is, is water finding its level here uh, with these makeshift in and out of the lineup Nuggets, right? Um, but no. Uh, you look a week and a half later, and the Nuggets have won five of their last six going into the All-Star break, including three in a row, and really the cherry on top being that win uh, uh, against the Warriors with no time left. Monte Morris, man, I, you know, had been out of the lineup, had a concussion, first game back, just freaking nails, man, when it mattered the most. It, very reminiscent of the um, uh, Gary Harris uh, game winner from, golly, how long ago was that? Uh, at this point, that was uh, home against the Oklahoma City Thunder. I was in the building that day, me and my buddy Tommy, um, and he goes running off the floor. Truly a signature moment for Gary uh, and um, his time in Denver, probably the most signature singular moment for Gary Harris. And now Monte has his moment. Like it really is, it does feel like that. It does because there was no time left, because you were on the road, because it was the Warriors, you know, and, and Monte. Not to say, like, you know, he needed that. Um, but but let me say this. Everyone needs that. Like, when it goes down for you, everyone everyone needs that. It can be an incredible boost to your confidence. It obviously was an incredible boost to the team. He hadn't played uh, Monte since uh, the Knicks game at the in the first week of the month, I want to say, um, the month of February. So it's just massive. Like, what a, what a massive welcome back uh, for Monte Morris. And... You know, Jokic making the right play per usual. Like, he, he absolutely could have um, got that shot up. There's no question about it. But that's just who Jokic is, right? It, you know, you remember these discussions about LeBron James in the first four or five years of his career. Like, well, well why doesn't he take the shot? Well, he makes the right play every time with, without exception. Um, and Jokic is, is the same way. Uh, so, big moment for Monte personally. Uh, potentially big moment for the Nuggets season. You know, we'll see how it ages and how we remember it. Um, but Jokic with another MVP performance. I mean, he was, you know, as he shared the court with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and, you know, Andrew Wiggins, uh, he was far and away the best player 
on the floor. 35 points, 17 rebounds, 8 assists. Had a couple turnovers, uh, you know, a few too many. Um, but to go 13 of 24 from the floor, go 3 of 5 from 3, go to the free throw line 9 times and make 6. It's just like, you know, what do you say? It's, 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 it's Jokic. You go, go pull up his game log. The games are starting to kind of blend together. Uh, in terms of just MVP performance after MVP performance. Like 37, 15, uh, 37, 17, and 8 is on the heels of 26, 15, and 7, which is on the heels of 28, 15, and 6. I mean, it just kind of goes like that. 23, 16, and 11. Like, just over and over and over. Which is why he and Joel Embiid are uh, ahead of the field, even ahead of Giannis in terms of um, MVP and the the current state of it, and I want to circle to uh, circle back in here just a few moments to the straw poll that ESPN put together uh, that can really be um, an indicator of what voters are or could be thinking um, in terms of casting that uh, first place MVP vote. We'll we'll circle back to that because uh, I find it very interesting. But um, you know who also deserves just a ton of credit is you know the bench. You know, and I talked about well, I shouldn't even be referencing what I what I talked about on on Tuesday because no one heard it. But the bench, you know, the word that I really like being used is uh, we had uh, our buddy Matt Moore um, from the Action Network Locked On Nuggets podcast. We had him on the radio here uh, a couple days ago on Stokely and Zach on uh, Denver Sports Station one hundred four through the Fan, and he he used the word uh, stabilize a couple times because I was asking about the bench coming um, off of the uh, win in Toronto. And just really, and, and just, you know, besides that, um, just like the last couple of weeks in general. Um, and if you want to draw a common denominator to the point where Faku Campazzo has been sat down, I think that's fair. Um, but, you know, even in the, in the win against Toronto, you know, with Jim Michael Green and, and DeMarcus, who I thought played one of his better games um, in a Nuggets uniform, and then he parlays it to uh, another really good performance um, on Wednesday night against the Warriors. But, you know, Bryn Forbes, you know, making shots and, you know, Austin Rivers playing, you know, at a respectable level. And um, just ac- just across the board, the group in general seems to be sort of figuring it out and stabilizing after being one of the worst second units I've ever laid eyes on. Uh, and, that's ju- and that's just the truth. Um, I know that bothers some, some super fans, uh, but, you know, there was a while there, a, a longer than – comfortable stretch where it was like holy crap this is such an albatross of a unit that they totally cross cancel whatever the starters just did the starters come back in the game and they got to fight uphill you know all over again um that has not been the case here in the last couple weeks now it hasn't been perfect and guys it's not going to be perfect uh but it's gotten significantly better and just the fact that it's not a dumpster fire is really kind of the threshold of what we're looking for here um but on a Wednesday night against the Warriors, you know, Jim Michael Green, you know, 18 minutes has nine points, uh, had a big putback dunk uh, in that second half um, in, in the comeback. Um, DeMarcus, you know, for DeMarcus to, you know, pull down three offensive rebounds. And by the way, on the J. Michael Green putback dunk, I'm pretty sure that play um, restarted after it was a Boogie Cousins tip out. Uh, he didn't, you know, firmly control the the offensive rebound, but it was one of those plays that Tyson Chandler made famous forever. It's just like getting a hand on it. It's a 50-50 ball. Instead of trying to corral it, just 
you know, knock it back out to your teammates there on the perimeter that restarted the possession. Um, I want to say it ended up in the hands of Bryn Forbes, who drove and missed a shot, and then it was uh, a J. Mike with the finish. Well, it was probably basket interference, but whatever. Um, but that I'm giving credit to Cousins there, right? Three offensive rebounds in 13 minutes is really hard to do. Um, I have not been a big DeMarcus Cousins guy uh, throughout his career and even uh, this duration that he's been with the Denver Nuggets. But I would be ignoring the positives as he ha- that he has brought to the table. He's a big body, rebounding backup center. All right, He did make the only three that he took. Um, he's got to get better around the rim. Uh, I've talked about it in previous episodes. Doesn't quite have his legs totally under him. Doesn't look like he's in great shape, although he has... You know, here in the, just the last couple ten day contracts, looks like he's getting better in that department. So I'll, I'll say this: what Demarcus has done for me, it, it he's, you know, I'm not crowning him by any means, um, but I am starting to use my imagination what it could look like as the group gets more familiar, as he gets in better shape, um, and what what that could look like, you know, and potentially in the NBA playoffs as well. Um, so I think that the uh, Tim Connolly um, has to sign him for the rest of the season. Um, I don't think there's really any debate about that. So you, you got to make a decision one way or the other. And I think they're going to sign him for the rest of the season. They're they're a perfect eight and zero with him, right? Like who who would have thought that that De, since Demarcus Cousins' arrival, the Denver Nuggets would be eight and zero with Boogie Cousins. Now, not reducing it down to his you know arrival. There's you know he's it is what it is. Um, but I think it's impossible to ignore um, if you're the organization. Right, that correlation of his arrival and and you know winning some games here, and he he has made an impact. So let's let's give him give him his props. Right, he has made an impact. Six points, five rebounds, two assists in thirteen minutes. It's really good production. So um, what could it look like in a month? In a month and a half, uh, we're fixing to find out. Uh, Bryn Forbes, I thought was terrific. I uh, just continue to be impressed uh, with the fit that Bryn Forbes is um, or, or or has been. Um, in Denver, uh, the guy's knockdown shooter, man. The guy's a freaking knockdown shooter. Something that the Nuggets uh, have been missing over the years. He's not a perfect player by any means, but he's got a ratchet on him. Made four threes against uh, the Golden State Warriors, and and really, you go back to you know late in that fourth quarter. All right, late in that fourth quarter when the Nuggets, you know, at at one point in that second half, were down sixteen points, and they're scratching and clawing their way all the way back. Uh, Brent Forbes had a, a an impactful um, shot that was not a three when he drove baseline from the right side and found an angle uh, to put it in and and brought the the lead from oh it was seven at the time because it was one thirteen one oh six here in my notes and he, that layup made it one thirteen one oh eight that's a big shot with a minute and twenty seven seconds left um, and then there was you know follow that up with Aaron Gordon who didn't play great. All right, um, you know, uh, finishing the alley-oop from Nikola Jokic. And there was two of them there in that fourth quarter where Jokic just gets in the teeth of the defense. There's so much attention on him. Put it at the rim. That's what Aaron Gordon does, right? That's why it's such a good fit here. Um, And that alley-oop with exactly one minute left made it a three-point game. And then then Jokic makes the layup with 37 seconds left. And now we're cooking with gas. Now it's 113-112. And... You know, uh, uh, there's a there's a, a a missed shot by Curry, which ends up in the hands of uh, Monte Morris, and he goes the length of the floor. Now you're under 15 seconds left. You take a lead, and it's like, oh my gosh, 
They're going to freaking do this. And then it's the Steph Curry and one on Monte, right? And it was just like, oh, crap. The other shoe dropped. There's less than six seconds left. They have a two-point lead. And then it was the freaking game winner. Unbelievable sequence in that final two minutes. And I, I can't remember where I saw this, and I would like to give credit, but I, I'd be making it up at this point if I uh, pretended to. Um, but I thought I saw with, um, it was like two and a half minutes left, I want to say, uh, when it was 113-106, I think, that it was like a 96% uh, win probability for the Golden State Warriors. Eh-eh, not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso would say. Um, just a really cool, really cool finish uh, to that basketball game. But Bryn Forbes, back to Bryn Forbes, you know, making four threes against the Warriors. Uh, that was coming off a game where he made three threes against the Magic. Um, hadn't shot it great in the week prior, but I, I, I've gone on the record both on the radio and here on the podcast. I think Bryn Forbes at a certain point in these playoffs is going to win the Nuggets a playoff game. I believe that's going to happen. We saw him, uh, how well he played. Uh, who was that against? Um, oh, gosh, in the first round of the playoffs a couple years back. Was it? No, was it? I think it was um, the Miami Heat series. Uh, I know we talked about it a few weeks ago, but my, my memory's cloudy here. I think it was the Miami Heat series uh, when he was with uh, Milwaukee uh, last year in the playoffs. Go back and pull up the game log. He won some games uh, for the Bucks, and I think he's going to do the same thing this year uh, for the Denver Nuggets. So uh, I like where I stand on that prediction, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. Um, I thought Austin Rivers was good. Uh, Bones Highlands was hard to watch. Um, he, he just struggled, so he came back down to earth a little bit. Although, shout out Bones for uh, being a replacement in the, um, uh, the uh, Rising Stars game on All-Star Weekend, he's an injury replacement, but you you know, as a rookie, you, you take those opportunities when you can get them. And I know he was upset that he wasn't named to the initial roster and all that, and that's fine. Uh, but so he will be there, so that'll be fun to watch. Um, but just the bench in general, um, the production to get to get twenty two points from Bryn Forbes, to get double figures from Austin Rivers, uh, Bones gave you five points. Uh, DeMarcus, we talked about, gave you six points. And then you got nine points from J. Mike, and now you're at 52 points off your bench. Like, you take that. You absolutely take that. Um, So, and by the way, um, you know, to win a game where you have 18 turnovers, uh, eight more than your opposition, nearly double uh, what your opposition uh, puts up, and you're on the road, you lose those games like 90% of the time. Uh, maybe maybe ninety's too too strong, but you you typically lose those games. And I, I wanted to bring that up because if you go back to um, the uh, uh, the Toronto win, uh, the Nuggets had seventeen turnovers to just seven from the Raptors and found a way to win. Uh, and then you go look against the uh, Orlando Magic, and I'm pulling up the box score here. I forget what the number was. Uh, twenty two. Yeah, they had twenty two turnovers. Against the Magic. Guys, I'm here to tell you, you have 22 turnovers in an NBA game, you lose that game, got to be 90% of the time. And the fact that they won all three of those games in the past week with a, with a careless nature uh, to those offensive possessions, first of all, it's not good. You want to take care of the ball, but the fact that you're overcoming that, like you're, 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 not, um, you're not playing well in that regard and still finding ways to win, in a bizarre roundabout way, it's it's kind of encouraging. But they got to clean that up. Uh, they got to clean that up. 
So, um, what else here? Uh, oh, have here in my notes just to, just to ask the question, like, because the Nuggets are on a three-game winning streak, because they have won five of their last six, you know, is the All-Star break coming at a bad time? And I think that is, um, that's like an evergreen question for a team that is winning games up against the break. And, and I'll say it like this. I, I think it's coming at a great time, right? A, a great time. We're 58 games in to this season. Uh, is that right? 50? Yeah, yeah. 58 games in. Uh, it's it's a later than normal break. You see the disposition from Jokic, from Michael Malone. You hear about it in the press conferences. Um, like this, this group, um, along with most groups, need a break. But especially Jokic and the burden that he has been been taking on um, from a both physical taxing standpoint and an emotional taxing standpoint, an investment standpoint, where this is a guy who uh, already went into the season without his unequivocal second best player. And then nine games into the season, nine games in, uh, Michael Porter Jr., you know, uh, goes out for the foreseeable future. The Nuggets were like, they were five and four after um, the first nine games of the season. They're five and four, and now they're sitting here at eight games over five hundred at the break. Are are you kidding me? Like I think that everyone in Nuggets Nation would have signed up uh, for exactly what we've seen. But when you're in the trenches um, with the group, whether you're a diehard fan or media member or whatever, um, and we talked about this a little earlier in the season too, when you're in the trenches, sometimes it can feel like you're reacting to football games. Right where there's only the 17 games on the schedule, formerly 16, and you're you just you just ride and die with every win or loss, because of the circumstances with who hasn't been around, it feels like we have been sort of living a football existence with a basketball team, um, and and the losses sometimes feel worse than they actually are. Like this is a team that's in the 60, that's eight games over 500, considering the entire context of what we're talking about with. You know, of course, MPJ and Jamal, but, you know, P.J. Dozier done for the year and Will Barton in and out of the lineup and Monte Morris in and out of the lineup and asking guys to just fill roles that, you know, they don't naturally fill. You're asking them to do more. You're asking everyone to do more. And everyone mostly has stepped up, right? They mostly have stepped up. Now, you can talk about, say, like Will Barton on a Wednesday night. Like, Will was not, uh, Will was not very good. At all, there's no way to sugarcoat it. He was one of six from the field, oh four from three, uh, three turnovers, didn't have a single assist. He was not good, guys. I'm, can't sugarcoat that. But have we come in here singing Will Barton's praises at certain points this season when they needed him to make plays? Right? You don't have to go back any further than last weekend uh, making big shots. So, you know, we got to maybe. And this is the reason, by the way, that um, I have not been on Nuggets Twitter as much uh, this season because, you know, if you're going to like live tweet and so then you get ready for the, you know, the barrage of, you know, the just the temperature, you know, of the uh, the of Nuggets Nation, you know, who's sometimes enraged while watching a Nuggets game and, and watching a guy like Will Barton and, um, you know, I think there's a time and place for the criticism and it, it look if you. If you want to blast Will Barton for Wednesday night, go for it. Because it's pro sports, right? He was not good. It was maybe his worst game of the season. He was hard to watch. Um, but this is a marathon, all right? And, and I don't want to overreact to one leg of the marathon, all right? There's, there's, there's 82. This thing's like a centipede. You got 82 legs here, all right? So 
let's um, maybe use some wisdom uh, when we, you know, bring down the judgment from, you know, like a, a um, you know, bring down the fire of judgment. Like you got to keep our heads or try to um, during a, a night like Wednesday night. So, all right. Uh, I wanted to circle back to um, the MVP straw poll that ESPN did. Uh, and then we're, I'll get you out of here as we try to get these done in 20, 25 minutes. I know you're busy. All right, you got a lot going on, so we try to make it digestible and on the on the quicker side. Um, this article was released um, on the day that we're recording it is uh, Thursday, February seventeenth. Okay, and it's from Tim Bombtemps, uh, and he says, uh, and I'm just going to read here from the, from the article instead of trying to uh, rephrase Bombtemps. He says, after Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid battled for the right to be named NBA's most valuable player all last season, it appears this year's chase for the award could once again come down to the two all-star big men. Embiid, after coming in second to Nikola Jokic in last year's MVP voting, Embiid holds a 35-point lead over the Nuggets' reigning MVP in the second edition of ESPN's NBA MVP straw poll for the 2021-22 season. Embiid's razor-thin edge is the closest the top two spots have been over the nine iterations of this poll over the last six seasons. Wow, guys, it is tight. Bon Temps goes on to say, the Philadelphia 76ers center, who had 45 first-place votes and finished with 789 total points, was the only player, this is the part that pissed me off, the only player selected to all 100 ballots. Yes, you know what that means? Jokic, when he finished with 43 first-place votes and 754 total points, that's great. He was left off of five ballots completely. This is where I get lost, guys, and this is where I start to get frustrated. How could you be in the business to the point where you're casting a straw poll vote for ESPN and you leave Nikola Jokic off off your ballot? It's just dumb. It's just it's just like it's like who was like the sports writer who like didn't vote Ken Griffey Jr. In, into the Hall of Fame? Like we we talk about this stuff every year with the baseball Hall of Fame. It's like what, what, what are you thinking? What are you looking at? And what are you valuing when you get to a point? Okay, you don't have him first. Okay, okay, that's fine. And you can say you don't even have him second, and you want to put Giannis or whoever in there. If he's 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 off your ballot, you don't deserve to have a vote. You're 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 not paying close enough attention. Um, and that's frustrating. So we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll we'll see how it all shakes out. I have said in the preseason in our war room at Brothers Barbecue with a, a, our, our panel of hosts here at the Fan. Um, I have repeated it four or five times on the air on the radio show since the season started, and I've repeated it on this podcast a half a dozen times. I believe with everything in me that Nikola Jokic is going to win the MVP. I do. Uh, my money is on it before the season and during the season. All right. I think given the fact that the schedule loosens up for the Nuggets, the fact that there's less back-to-backs and just less road games, all right? I think the longest road trip is 3 games in the in, in the back stretch uh, after the All-Star break. And I'm kind of counting on the cavalry coming that like you are going to see the return of Jamal Murray at some point in time. When? Not sure. And I think that conversation really starts to heat up once we start doing these podcasts after the All-Star break. Um, but I am going to assume, okay, that Murray is coming back at some point, and what that's going to do is that's going to, um, you know, have everyone 
We're going to redefine the roles for sure, uh, which could be you know some growing pains. But I think most everyone will have to do just a little bit less and be put back in the position that they were asked to be initially uh, when, when playing for this basketball team. And I think that's going to do everyone good. Uh, so for the schedule loosening up, uh, in terms of the, um, the quality of opponent, where you're playing those games, when, in terms of the lack of back-to-backs that were so prominent in the first portion of the schedule, I think for all of that and the historical availability of Jokic, we don't know what's around the next corner with Joel Embiid. So, you know, we'll see. And then also, you know, can, can the Sixers win enough games? Right, because the Sixers right now, guys, you, you pull up the, the the NBA standings, you look at the Eastern Conference, the Chicago Bulls are at the top, then you got the Heat, then you got the Bucks, then you got the Cavs. You gotta go down the fifth seed until you get to the Sixers. Now it's close. Uh they're they're on the heels of, of the Cavs and, and, and then Boston's on the heels of, of Philly. But it's kind of unusual that the two MVP favorites are from a sixth seed and a fifth seed this late in the season. So we'll see who wins games. We'll we'll see who wins games. Um, and that's going to be a huge part of this discussion um, that is really just going to only pick up steam uh, here over the next few months. couple months. Not few. couple. It's getting late early. Okay. We'll leave it there for now. I appreciate you being here with me. Sorry about the confusion earlier in the week when I got screwed over by one of my producers here, who I love still. Uh, all is forgiven. Let's take a couple days off. Let's get Jokic rested. Let's get all the other nuggets rested and back into a you know good mental space to plow through the rest of the schedule uh, after the festivities in Cleveland this weekend. And by the way, you know that whatever happens this weekend in Cleveland as it concerns Nikola Jokic or even Bones Highland in the Rising Stars game, you know we'll be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Football is back and the world-famous Superbook Sports is ready for all the gridiron action. Looking for a place to catch the game? Head up the hill to the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk and experience the thrill of the games live on one of our 28 state-of-the-art TVs. Superbook Sports has all of the amenities you could ever want in a traditional sports book. Good food, tasty beverages, and the best view in Blackhawk. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for help.